Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Let's open up our Bibles uh, this evening. As uh, this morning I preached uh, out of directly out of our Bible reading program, and uh, I had uh, Brother Paul come and approach me after the service and said, Pastor, I want to get the Bible app on my phone. I said, praise the Lord, brother. If, if Paul Wilcox can have the Bible app on his smartphone, hey, you can do it too. Praise the Lord. Right, Paul? Praise God. So that's a blessing, um, and we encourage you to, to, uh, to be involved with that. Keep up with your Bible reading program. It is a blessing for your life. And, uh, and so tonight's sermon also... Uh, comes directly from uh, our reading, even that happened today. Following chapter, I was inspired once again as I was reading uh, from the Word of God in Luke chapter 19. We're going to read there and also uh, a little bit from chapter 18. So uh, we're going to begin in Luke 18, verse 35, and then go into chapter 19 and speak about Two men that are these are back to back stories in Luke 18 and 19. And even though I've preached on both of these men in the past, uh, what I realized is that these two stories are back to back. And what's amazing about the Bible, you have to understand, is that when these gospel accounts were written, they didn't have chapters and verses. It was simply one long book. The chapters and verses are not inspired by the Lord. And one of the things that we often miss is that we think that at the end of one chapter and the beginning of the next chapter, uh, that, that they're disjointed, that they're not connected. Uh, but we have to be careful when we're reading the Bible to make sure to notice when the end of a chapter comes and the next chapter begins that it's possible there could be a connection that we've missed there. And this is a connection that I believe I have missed up until now. And so I'm very uh, encouraged that these two stories are back to back because there is something that we can learn from both of them. It was said of, um, there was a, a woman, and my name is, her name is going to escape me at the moment, so you all can help me out. Uh, a woman early in the 20th century who uh, was blind and deaf at the same time. Help me out. <laughs> Helen Keller, thank you. Helen Keller was famous because there was a famous movie that was made about her, her autobiography that she wrote, and she describes her early years being blind and deaf. Can you imagine trying to live life in that way? And when she was young, it was she was very animalistic, you know, just simply responding to whatever stimuli was around her, and uh, she was unable to learn, she was unable to, you know, to have any uh, 
exterior conversation except in her own brain. It was a terrible way to live. Until there was that famous moment when the, the teacher that they hired for her uh, began to put sign language into her palm. And she would put her hand under some, some running water, and then she would make the sign of those letters, W-A-T, over and over and over. She would make the sign into the palm of her hand, and finally there was a breakthrough. She was able to understand that what she was feeling, the water, was what was being described by the letters printed in her palm. And there was this breakthrough when she was a young girl, and from there she began to learn. She learned an alphabet, she learned how to read, she learned how also to write, how to speak, she got an education, she went to college, and she became a famous author in our nation's history. Incredible story. But somebody once asked Helen Keller, what is the worst thing that could happen to you? Out of all the bad things that she had endured as a, as a person, and she said, I think the worst thing that could happen to a person would be to have sight but not to be able to see, to lack vision. And what she was saying was something incredibly powerful because even though she could not see, she could not hear, she had a vision for her life. She had a purpose. She discovered that. And what we're going to read in our scripture is two stories of men who wanted to see. They wanted to have vision in different ways, and we're going to compare them tonight, and I pray that God would help us to learn something from the Word of God tonight. Let's read together in Luke chapter 18, beginning with 35. And it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat on the road begging. Hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and he cried out, saying, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Now, jumping to chapter 19, verse 1. Remember, different chapters, but back to back, right next to each other, comes the next story. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was. Are you catching the connection now? Both men wanted to see. But he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He is gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. 
And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. They wanted to see. Let's pray. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the spirit of the living God, which brings resurrection, life, and power. I pray for those who are living in darkness tonight. Lord, for those of your people who have lost vision for their future, for their destiny, for what you will want to do in their life. God, I'm praying tonight that you would restore vision to the the people of God in this place and help us, God, to seek a vision of who you are and what you want for us. And we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. They wanted to see. And so back to back, these two stories offer a very interesting contrast where you have two men that we're going to talk about that with very different circumstances, very different positions and places in life, and yet they both needed the same thing. They wanted to see Jesus. First of all, this speaks to us about the most important thing in our lives. The most important thing that you and I have to consider. The first of the Ten Commandments was, you will have no other gods before me. How many remember that? The first commandment is that God says, there should be no priority that is higher than me. You should have no desire. You should have no love. You should have no vision. You should have no purpose that is greater than this purpose. The purpose of God. The kingdom of God. Jesus echoes this sentiment when he says that uh, you will seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And everything else will come after that. The problem is that you and I, we are seeing in our culture today a multiplication of visions that are leading to other places. The lie is tonight that if I turn away from God and His purpose for my life, that I will simply cease to to be a believer. We see this happening in our culture around us. People who are abandoning the faith. We see uh, pastor's kids who are growing up in church and church kids who grow up only to become mockers on social media. And the lie is to think that if I reject my Christianity, that I simply become a non-believer. But that is not the truth. You are going to worship somebody. If you don't worship the living God, if you don't put him first in your life, then someone else, there will be a vacuum created in your life and something will fill that vacuum. The world will fill that vacuum. Addictions will fill that vacuum. Maybe uh, the opposite sex or pornography will fill that vacuum. But whenever God is not the first place in your life, something else will become first. The job will become first. The love of money will become first. And so what we find today in a post-Christian culture is we find a kind of neo-paganism. People find themselves worshiping things 
that are far less important than the God of the universe. If you flip on the news, you will see it every single day. People will worship the planet. People will worship uh, the news media. People will worship their political party or the leader of that political party. People will worship uh, celebrities. And maybe it's not to the full extent of bowing down before someone, but what it really is is this, this ideology, this has the most important view in my life. This is what has happened for both of these men in our scripture. They have replaced their first vision, the vision of what things should be, the vision of God to put first his kingdom. They have both replaced them with something else. For the first man, Bartimaeus, let's examine him. At the gates, as Jesus is entering the city, the historic city of Jericho, they're making their way into the town. And by now, of course, this is uh, beginning to be the end of his ministry on earth. Jesus' fame has become widespread, and of course they are surrounded by a large crowd. This crowd is boisterous and making a commotion, and uh, even a blind man noticed that something was happening that day. And there he is on the road, of course, uh, as a blind man, there was no social programs in the ancient world. To be blind was means that you're going to spend the rest of your days being poor, begging, having no way to provide for yourself. That was just the reality of life. To be blind in those times was to be cursed, and many times ostracized by society. They would have been viewed in those days as accursed by God. There's got to be a reason why he was blind. They would reason, and they would say, perhaps God is punishing this man and would many times be ostracized by society. But here's Bartimaeus. We find him noticing the sound of the crowd, and he begins to ask around, what's happening, what's happening? And they tell him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And so here's Bartimaeus, a man who ha- he lacks physical vision. He cannot see anything, but here's a man who has vision. And he probably has more vision than some of you here tonight. Because even though he lacks the ability to see with his eyes, what he can see, he can see through the eyes of faith. He can see what God could do if only he could get the attention of Jesus. If only he could make a loud enough noise that would catch Jesus' attention. He has a vision for what God could do in his life. What about you tonight? Do you have a vision of what Jesus could do in your life? Do you have a vision for uh, overcoming the blindness of the current moment? Do you have a vision for your ministry? Do you have a vision for marriage, for family, for children? Do you have a vision one day for this church to continue to be a blessing and a lighthouse for our community? Do you have a vision for our concert scene on Saturday nights? I've spent the last few days beginning to reach out to other churches uh, to get some bands and to get some talent in here to do concert for us. We're going to be doing those once a month going forward through the summer months. Do you have a vision that God could save people? 
God can use those. But listen, we need the help of some people who are going to have a vision for that ministry, a vision for outreach, a vision for winning souls, a vision for preaching on the street, a vision for making disciples, not just seeing people come and pray a prayer. How many know that's the beginning of the journey? And from there, you've got to have a vision to make disciples. I can't do this on my own. We need some people like blind Bartimaeus, a man who, according to the world's standards, is far unqualified to do anything for the Lord, but he's got a vision. In that moment, blind Bartimaeus was stepping into a prophecy that was ages old, hundreds of years before this, Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 35, verse 5 and 6, he said, the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue will shout for joy. Where did Bartimaeus get his vision from? At least he had heard the prophecy of Isaiah. This was not an original idea. This was not something he came up with smoking some, uh, some funny grass. This was something that he had read, that someone had read to him, that he had heard that the promise was from the Lord. And here comes Jesus, the son of David, the Messiah, the one who came to fulfill that prophecy. And Bartimaeus connects two and two and makes four. And says, if this is what was prophesied about the Messiah, and if I believe that Jesus is that Messiah, I'm not going to let him just pass by. I'm going to make a stink. I'm going to make a scene. I'm going to annoy and pester. Remember our service this morning. The, 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 the woman, the widow woman, that she began to pester that unjust judge until he would pay attention. What about you tonight? Do you have a vision for seeing God's promises fulfilled in your life? Jesus himself spoke about this when he began his public ministry. In Luke chapter 4, he reads from the prophet Isaiah. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. Bartimaeus knew the promise of God and knew that it applied to him because who else is, is blind that needs to be, their eyes need to be opened? He said, surely this, this must apply to me if Jesus is passing by. This is my promise. And I'm going to demand it. So he began to shout. He began to shout. What about us? How many know this is a book Filled with promises from God. Filled with promises that apply to you, to your marriage, to your finances, to your children, to your grandchildren. This is a book filled with promises for your future, for eternity. This is a book filled with promises for your mental state, for your fears. And your concerns and worries about life. It's a book filled with promises. The problem is that we read the scripture, we read the promises, and we think, this doesn't apply to me. 
And when we do that, we make the mistake that blind Bartimaeus refused to make, which is that this Jesus is passing by. How many know every service we get together and we pray and we sing and we worship and Jesus is passing by, right? There is an opportunity to meet with him right here on this single step. Every service we have an opportunity. And I'm amazed at people who can go for service after service, week after week, and sit in your chair unperturbed. That sermon was for somebody else. Praise the Lord. I don't have to embarrass myself and go to the altar again. And oftentimes I'm amazed that the very people that I have in mind that God is speaking to me about when I write sermons, those are the people who never move. And we'll keep, we'll keep it uh, anonymous tonight. Hallelujah. It's amazing to me. There's nobody else there who's blind. Bartimaeus realizes, I have a need. Do you realize how blind you are? This is half of the problem. Jesus came and he said that the, those who think that they are well have no need of a physician. If you sit there and say, you know what, pastor, that sermon is a great sermon for somebody else. Guess what? You're going to sit there the whole service. You're going to be unperturbed. God's not going to speak to you. Listen, a practice of my life, a conviction that I've had since I was a new convert, is I said to myself, I want all of Jesus that I can get. I want every change that he has possible for me. You know, there's a lot of things about Adam Dragoon that I know are not right and that God still needs to deal with me about. But you know, there's even more things that I am not aware of that God still needs to work on. Is it possible that there is blindness in you that you don't even know about? That's why we sing that song that David prayed, Search me, Lord, right now and see if anything inside of me would grieve your heart. That's, you know, that's a dangerous prayer to pray. Is it possible tonight that there are little pockets of blind spots in your character? Or has God already finished you? I guess we could just wrap up the service tonight. And uh, because everybody here, uh, God's finished with you already. Is it possible that God wants... Hey there, Sermon Podcast listeners. This is Pastor Adam back with you again. Wanted to just take a second here to thank you once again for listening to this Sermon Podcast. We've had an explosive rate of growth and listenership for the past few weeks, and we hope that you appreciate these daily sermons to encourage you and help you. I just want to share a couple of ratings that we've gotten in the Apple Podcast application Clint B. writes a five-star review. He said, I am so grateful for our fellowship. Thank you. This podcast, very helpful through the day. Uh, Bobby Sanford from North Carolina said, inspiring. Awesome to hear sermons that are encouraging and inspiring to the church. Uh, We could really use your help to add a couple more of these very helpful reviews. Uh, These do help us to get the word out about this podcast I want you to know that we have a truly worldwide impact with this podcast. 
from the United States to the UK, Australia, Ireland, Germany, New Zealand, South Africa, Netherlands, Canada, Romania, Afghanistan, Namibia, Vietnam, Switzerland, Kenya, India, Russia, Hong Kong, Ghana, Uganda, Guam, Meritus, Brazil, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Zambia, Japan, Jamaica, Malaysia, Israel, Ukraine, the list goes on and on of nations that are listening to these sermons. So we just want to say thank you for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you're sharing these when you hear a good one. And please, if you haven't done so already, make sure you leave a five-star rating and a review of what you like about this podcast. Thank you again for listening, and back to the rest of the sermon. wants to change something in you, that God wants to heal some blindness in you. Uh, if, if you do any driving at all in your vehicle, you know you've got blind spots, right? You know that you can't just change lanes on the freeway without looking behind you. You know why? Because there's an area that you can see ahead of you. You look in your mirror and you can see behind you. You look in this mirror and you can see that side. But guess what? There's a pocket. There's a blind spot that you cannot see just from your mirrors. And so what do they teach you in driving school? You've got to turn your head. You got to look back so that you cover that blind spot. Same thing on the right side. You got to take just take a look, quick look, a glance to make sure there's not some little motorcycle hanging out in your blind spot and you kill somebody by changing lane. You don't want to do that. You got to check the blind spots. If that's true when you're driving, don't you think it's possible? Possible that you've got a blind spot in your character? Is it possible tonight? That there's an area of your heart that's not right with God and you don't even know about it? And so this is why blind Bartimaeus, he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They say, shut up, Bartimaeus. Jesus doesn't want nothing to do with you. But he wouldn't shut up. Sometimes you got to have that fight in you to overcome. But you know what? Today, what we face... The crowd that was trying to stop Bartimaeus from shouting. Do you know who that crowd is today? Many times, what it can be is our years of experience. As, we become professional Christians, don't we? We've been here long enough. We've done this routine so many times that, uh, that our experience is telling us, no, 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 just shut up. You don't, you don't need Jesus. You don't need him to help you now, today. Our religion can get in the way. Oh, I'll just keep preaching tonight. You know what? I'll just encourage myself. Hallelujah. Maybe God gave me this sermon for me, not for anybody else. But Bartimaeus, we, he wouldn't shut up. He said, I need more of Jesus. Every time we gather, Jesus is passing by again. And he's here tonight. And you know what I've learned about God? Over 23 years of salvation... I have learned that you can have as much of Jesus as you want. And if you find yourself with blindness, if you find yourself spiritually dry and empty, the problem is not with God. He is close to those who call out to Him. He is near to those who, like Bartimaeus, say, Son of David, I will not shut up until you come and help me. Bartimaeus walked away from this encounter 
with a miracle. What about you? The second story in our scripture turns to another man who was blind, but in a different way. His name was Zacchaeus. And listen, the promise that Jesus gave to this man Zacchaeus is incredible. We find ourselves again, Jesus entering into the city of Jericho. He encounters Bartimaeus, and as that As he heals Bartimaeus, he continues to go in. And again, there's a large crowd of people around Jesus. And the Bible introduces us to this man who famously has a short stature. That's a nice way of saying that he was not very tall. He was vertically challenged. And not only that, the the Bible tells us that in those days, very common was the sycamore fig tree. They were very common in the Middle East at the time. They were leafy evergreens. They were growing to the height of at least 30 feet tall. And they had widespreading branches. They also produced a sweet-tasting fruit many times a year. And what what they say about these trees is that if you wanted a tree to hide in, it was a perfect tree. Because it was, number one, it was easy to climb. And number two, it was so dense that if you got up into the branches, nobody would know that you were there. And so the idea is that Zacchaeus, his challenge was, yes, that he was short. He couldn't see over the crowd. But I think it was more than that. So the Bible tells us that Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Worse than that, he was one of the chief tax collectors. Now, I know that Everybody here loves paying taxes, right? We have a deep affinity for the IRS because they take all of our money. No, we don't like the IRS, and you shouldn't like the IRS. Because even though it's wonderful to live in this nation, we are being overtaxed. That's another issue. But the point is that, uh, that Zacchaeus was not a popular guy. He's not going to win any popularity contests in Jericho. He is a chief tax collector. He's in charge of the people collecting taxes from Jewish people for the Roman authorities. So there's some political stuff going on here. So Zacchaeus is a Jewish man, but he, in the eyes of the people, he has betrayed his own Jewish roots so that he could align with the Roman government and become more powerful and rich as a result. So how do you think? If there was some invading power here in the United States, if China came and took over the eastern seaboard or something, you know, and now there's there's an American person who is now collecting taxes on behalf of the Chinese government that has taken over, you wouldn't probably like that person. They would have betrayed our nation. So here's Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector on behalf of the Roman Empire. And so the way that this would work, just to give you some details, local contracts for tax collection in the Roman world are auctioned off to the highest bidder. But the government didn't pay them for their work. Instead, the tax collectors would charge the taxpayers an additional fee for their services. Isn't that kind of them? So if your yearly tax to the Roman Empire was uh, $10,000, 
Here's Zacchaeus who said, you know what? Just for my services, I'm going to add on a 20%. And he would be allowed to do that under the Roman law because he was the one going around knocking on doors and teaching how other tax collectors, teaching them how to do it. And so, add to that, that here in Judea, tax collectors were traitors, as I mentioned, collaborating with the Roman occupiers. And yet, all of these factors, Zacchaeus being rich and wealthy and powerful, place of prominence and position, and yet, he shares something in common with Bartimaeus. He can't see the Savior. He can't see through the crowd, over the crowd. And so, Zacchaeus bundled together his robes and climbed up a tree. These leafy branches would have given him an opportunity, number one, that he could see Jesus, and number two, remain hidden from the Jewish crowd below. He's hiding out because he doesn't want to be discovered. And so, all he is expecting on this day is to catch a glimpse of Jesus. But there's something different about this story. When it came to Bartimaeus, he heard the crowd, and what did he do? He cried out, Jesus, have mercy on me, right? But when it came to Zacchaeus, we don't find Zacchaeus crying out to Jesus. What do we find? We find Jesus calling out to Zacchaeus up in the tree. Isn't that interesting? And it speaks to us about how God approaches different people in different situations. With Zacchaeus, maybe he was too afraid to be found out that day. Maybe he was too ashamed. Maybe he thought himself too far gone. But in this case, Jesus noticed the short little guy hanging from the tree branch in this thick sycamore tree. And here Jesus calls out to him. I believe tonight that there are some people here. You've been hiding from God. You've been hiding because you're in a situation that you believe that God can't fix. God, God you know, it's, I'm too far gone. I'm, uh, I'm spoiled now. There's no reason why Jesus would have anything to do with me or my future. And so even though Zacchaeus has his physical sight, you know what he's lacking? Spiritual vision. So two men, we have one that has no physical sight, but he can see what God could do for him. That's why he cries out. And with Zacchaeus, we have a man that his vision is perfectly fine, but he has no hope for his spiritual future, and therefore he's hiding in the tree. Jesus has to call out to him. And with these two stories, we have a powerful contrast of two different kinds of people that everybody in this place is one of those two. Will you be the one who cries out to Jesus or will Jesus have to cry out to you? With Zacchaeus, the Bible says that Jesus had an appointment with him that he didn't even know about. Did you catch that? In verse 5, Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste. That means hurry up and get down here. 
For today I must stay at your house. That sounds a little rude, doesn't it? I have an appointment at your house, Zacchaeus. You do? I was not aware of that. Yes, actually, it's here on my calendar that since I started my ministry, I've been thinking about you. And when I came to Jericho, I knew there'd be a guy up in the tree and you're him. I have to get to your house. Did you know that sometimes Jesus has appointments with us on his calendar that we were not aware of? That there are encounters with the living God that we're not prepared for? Have you ever found yourself being confronted by the Lord in your normal daily Bible reading? Lord, I wasn't planning to be convicted about the Scripture today. Lord, I, I wasn't planning that, that you were going to begin to convict me and deal with my heart and show me things about myself. I, I didn't have a plan for that. And yet He does. He begins to call out to us. You know, there are, there are certain services, there are certain messages, just a normal, typical Sunday night service, you know. Uh, I go to Sunday night service uh, typically just to, you know, read my Bible, hang out with the saints, have a good time, and all of a sudden, God begins to deal with me. He begins to cry out to us. I've got an appointment to deal with this thing in your life. Lord, it's not a convenient time. Come back again. Next week. Thank God that Zacchaeus responded to the word of the Lord. Verse 6, he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Let's say that together. Received him joyfully. Say that again. Received him joyfully. Not everybody does that. Not everybody. Perhaps Jesus has... uh, has expressed his desire to be with somebody else in the past, but the reason we don't read their story is because they didn't receive him joyfully. The reason we read about Zacchaeus is because, to his surprise and his shock, Jesus saw him and said, I need to come to your house today, Zacchaeus. But there was a response that was required. Zacchaeus could have said, Leave me alone. I'm just here to catch a glimpse. I, I, I can continue living the way I'm living. I'm all right, Jesus. I don't need your help. Thank God that Zacchaeus, he said, you know what? There's something about this Jesus I need to fulfill this appointment. I need him to come into my house, even though I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know how my life is going to change. I don't know how my reputation But thank God that he did. Because Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house. People were not too happy about this. Remember who Zacchaeus was, the chief tax collector for the Roman Empire. The one who had turned tail on his own people. They didn't like this. Jesus, there's a lot better houses that you could visit today. Actually, this is the one that needed to be visited the most. And you know what's amazing to me? If the people who were upset about Jesus visiting Zacchaeus' house would have known the outcome, they would have been a little bit happier. You know why? Because out of that meeting, Zacchaeus got radically transformed. He was born again in that meeting. Jesus came into his house. He rearranged the furniture, man. Jesus changed things around. And when he came out of that meeting, Zacchaeus... 
he began to say this statement. He said, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Well, now people are going to be a little happier, aren't they? Because no doubt he's ripped off the entire town of Jericho a few times. And now he's going to be going knocking door to door. Excuse me, brother, I just wanted to tell you that, you know, two years ago when I told you the price was going to be a 200 drachma, actually it's only a 100 drachma, so here's your 400, I restore to you fourfold. This is what happens when God changes a life, isn't it? Not only does he rearrange the furniture in our soul, but he makes us a blessing to the world around us. Jesus had a vision for Zacchaeus even when Zacchaeus didn't have a vision for himself. What about you tonight? What about you? Zacchaeus, his life was radically changed because he welcomed him with joy. That's the point right here that I want to, to close with. He received him with joy. I've mentioned before that you and I, we have to be good receivers. We have to be able to hear from the Lord. This is why the prayer meeting before service is so important. Because when you go to the prayer meeting, you are asking God, help me to receive what you have for me tonight. Help me to hear your voice, Lord. Help me to not walk away out of the service the same way that I came in. Help me not to be so religious, Lord, that I can't hear you calling to me from my hidden place up here in the tree. Help me, God, not to allow my years of Christian experience to be the voice of the crowd telling me, no, no, shut up, shut up, blind Bartimaeus, shut up. Help me, Lord, to be able to hear your voice throughout all the noise, to cut through all the layers of my blindness. Lord, I know that there are some things about me that need to change. But I also know that there are some things that I don't know that I need to change. I'm aware of things that God is working on, but there are probably also some things that I am not aware of. God, you still need to change. God, you still need to correct. You still need to chasten. You still need to help me. Or have you become the professional Christian that no longer needs Jesus. Tonight, two men that needed to see. Blind Bartimaeus knew his problem. Zacchaeus didn't. Blind Bartimaeus cried out, Lord, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Zacchaeus, Jesus had to call out to him. And no matter which one you are tonight, they both had an appointment with Jesus and they met him as he entered Jericho. I believe he's passing by once again here tonight. Will you have a meeting with the Lord? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Pastor, I wasn't planning on being convicted tonight. Well, that's good. But sometimes he's got a plan for us that we didn't know about. Sometimes tonight he's got a purpose for us. He's got correction he's got a revelation for us See, that's the thing about revelation you know what revelation is right revelation is when your eyes are opened to something that was already there 
And revelation may be something new to you, but it's not something new. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.